0: All right, so we're moving. Uh, we're going to be studying Ecclesiastes, and so I, I always look for images. So I thought this was a nice image because in Ecclesiastes, the famous well, some of the famous lines are, you know, there's a time for everything under the sun, and so that's uh, chapter three, verses one to fourteen. So it's the idea that, you know, there's a time for everything, but also the idea that although things are always changing. In a sense, they remain the same right? because you have the four seasons. Because everything's always changing, and yet you repeat it over and over again. So that's kind of maybe an image of the, that'll go along with the book of Ecclesiastes. It's kind of pretty. So anyway, we're moving out of Job, and we're going to spend one week on the book of Ecclesiastes, Kohelet, another uh, name for the book. So Ecclesiastes begins with the words the words of David's son, Kohelet, King of Jerusalem, chapter one, verse one. The word the word Kohelet is Hebrew, and the word Ecclesiastes is a form of Greek and Latin. Right? And it's the equivalent of the Hebrew word Kohelet. All right, so they're really the same word in different languages. Kohelet is Hebrew. Ecclesiastes it's, it is its equivalent in Latin and Greek. And what it means, and what it means is, it means preacher or teacher in the context of an assembly. So Kohelet or Ecclesiastes is not a proper name. It, it more it more describes a function. What's a, what somebody does. Not the tradition. The tradition uh, is that the person that it describes is, of course, David's son, king of Jerusalem, and that would be
1: Solomon. Solomon. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so traditionally Solomon is the author of. I gave you a hint. Author of uh, Ecclesiastes. And so there's there's a picture of Solomon sharing some of his wisdom so He's writing down all the words that he's saying. And they are. Um, so I and I showed you this before, but traditionally again Solomon is the author of Ecclesiastes, and there's a again there's a tradition that goes with that that Solomon wrote the Song of Songs, which we studied last semester in his, in his lusty youth. He wrote Proverbs, which we studied this semester in his mature middle age. And he wrote Ecclesiastes in his skeptical old age. Again, I present these as memory aids. You can kind of capture the themes of these different books. Tradition. Uh, I showed you this before, a little review. So far, uh, in the Old Testament book, we've studied prior to the wisdom books. In general, God has revealed himself to humanity in history. So we see the historical acts like the, the saving from slavery in Egypt and through the prophets. In the wisdom literature, a little different approach. In the wisdom literature, we see humanity trying to seek God through human reason, trying to figure it out by observing nature and reflecting on the human condition. Um, but traditional wisdom, whether revealed or discovered, again has the same purpose. And the purpose of discovering wisdom is to conform your life to it. In other words, obey. We talked about that obedience. So, whether it be the Ten Commandments revealed by God to Israel on Mount Sinai, or the wisdom sayings in the Proverbs, the idea is to obey them, to conform your life to them, and then you will receive the blessings. And those blessings are captured in the, in the, in, the uh, in the Hebrew word shalom. There's really not an equivalent to shalom in English. You can say peace, but you know, when you live in shalom, everything is in its right order. Everything as it should be.
1: Um, I think when we see churches, are they always Baptist churches when they're shalom? Basically, that's a big name for churches. Shalom, mm. and is it?
0: Baptist church. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Is that a
1: Catholic church
0: like that anywhere? I don't. Th- I don't know. There's no Catholic churches named that that I'm aware of. Uh, I would think they'd be heaped but. Yeah, they, maybe they do it for in, in other, the religious, in other, in other, the, other, the, other, the, not the,
1: another the. Non non-Catholic, you mean? Protestants.
0: The high is not Catholic. The President yeah. Shalom and um,
1: something. There.
0: Our our Hebrew synagogues have that word in it sometimes. Maybe. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I think that I've seen they it do. there, oh, like yeah. something. That's what I think Yeah. So that's I mean, so that's the Hebrew word. Again, it means you know all is as it should be. All is in order.
1: They baptize you there. Try Baptist and City, I them. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that, I have a that yeah. in. Okay. Water. So that would be Christian
0: then. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I, I guess I'm like... Well, I'm not surprised you see all kinds of names for churches. So. Okay. Again, the logical implication of this is that if you don't conform your life to it, or you disobey, disobey then you'll suffer the curses. Okay. In the wisdom literature we've studied so far, yeah i trying to give you the big picture. If you look at Proverbs, the traditional wisdom is accepted. So, everything you read there, if you're good and obey, you're blessed in the book of Proverbs. And if you're evil or disobey, you suffer punishment. So that's uh-huh. completely in conformance with traditional wisdom. In Job, that we just finished reading, that traditional view is questioned. Right? Job questions that because it doesn't seem to be true. It seems doesn't. I mean, he's a man who's suffering, so it doesn't. This traditional wisdom doesn't make sense. But in the end, but in the end, even though he questions the traditional wisdom, everything is restored. So he is the righteous man who is blessed in the end. So although it's questioned, in the end, the traditional wisdom obviously is affirmed the book we're going to study next week Ecclesiastes uh, traditional wisdom is seems to be rejected you get words like all things are vanity so from Ecclesiastes point of view everything good, evil, blessings punishments it is all it's all vanity it's all vanity okay. and in fact um, and this is what Kohela says, right? Vanity of vanity. Vanity of vanity, says Kohela. Vanity of vanity. Vanity. All things are vanity. All things. And um, the word vanity comes from the Hebrew word Hebel, and it, and it has a, shading, a variety of meanings but something like something vaporous, it's like a breath, and something that's insubstantial, Ephemeral, so something that's a vain, futile thing. Right? So it's not something that you, it's something that's passing. You can't hold on to it, so it's not something that you want to stake your life on. Right? Something that's vain has this meaning in the context of the Book of Ecclesiastes. Something that's that's elusive. Something that is going to fade away. Um, So the idea that in this life, everything is vanity, nothing is permanent, and in the end, in this life, all things, even blessings, fade away. Again, focuses on this life, because at that point, there wasn't an understanding of an afterlife. Now, the Hebrew language doesn't have words for superlatives. We we say things like good, better, best for for grades of things that are better, good, better, best. Hebrew doesn't have that, so the way they express superlatives is they repeat the words. So they'll say vanity of vanities. So that's that's like the superlative vanity. That's like saying good, better, best. Vanity of vanities. That's also why they'll say things like holy, holy, holy. Right. So they're they're Saying I like the holiest, really is vanity. It's <laughs> equal holiness. Vanity of vanities it's, uh, no, chapter I mean, one, verse two.
1: Practical vanity and, and vain of.
0: Now, well, that's why I'm giving you the definition. In this book, it has this meaning, okay. and um, so we say vain, and it's not. It's not clear that that is carrying the same meaning here. Although, if you think about it. Maybe it does.
1: Because well, if the a person, person has vain, vain, then they're,
0: they're, they're, shallow. they're shallow, they're not substantial, so it could carry the same meaning. A right. big
1: vain. So it's yeah. not a good character. It's not, no. It's, okay. well,
0: in this case, I guess it's not so much good or bad, it's just saying what it is. It's not something yeah. substantial. Mm-hmm. But if you stake your life on something that's in, in, not substantial, that's not a good thing. Like yourself, if you're vain. Uh, so again, from Kohel from uh, Kohela's point of view, everything is vanity. Uh, so the and the reason the reason for that is the, is that because because mm-hmm. from Kohela's perspective, this connection that we've been talking about between good and blessings and evil and punishments doesn't seem to be true. There seems to be no connections between the two from his point of view. Right. For hell, again, there's no connection between one's goodness or evilness and whether they are blessed or cursed. Because in the end, or probably because in the end, in the end, all, all share the same faith, which is death. And from his perspective, that's it. So because there's no belief in the afterlife, death really is the end and all share the same end. Pretty and we thought Job was negative. <laughs> this guy's really negative. Alright, but there is one thing there is one thing that does connect all the wisdom books we've studied so far Proverbs, Job, and now Ecclesiastes, and that's this idea of fear of the Lord. Um, so, in the introduction to Proverbs, in that introductory section, section 1, uh, chapters 1 to 9 was bookended by, those, by, those, uh, by the fear of the Lord words. So, chapter 1, verse 7 fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction, so fear the Lord. And at the end of that first section, again, we have the similar idea the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And I gave you a handout. This, I, uh, this first uh, phrase, Fear of the Lord, comes up over and over again throughout the book of Job. So these are just two examples. And then, I mean, in the, in the book of Proverbs. And then in the book of Job, um, in chapter 28, in the interlude, where the narrator steps away from the character's dialogue and interjects her own thoughts on the subject of wisdom, this is the type, this is the section that we entitled the inaccessibility of wisdom. Um, because only God truly knows wisdom. Right? Only God knows wisdom, God knows the way to it, it is he who is familiar with it. But even in, in Job there is a path for humans to find wisdom. Job so twenty eight twenty eight. And to the man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord again is his wisdom and avoiding evil is understanding. So again, you have this even in Job of fear of, of, fear of the Lord uh, as the way to wisdom. Now, in looking at that, that phrase in those two books, commentators, again, try to describe what that means in those two books. And they'll say things like fear of the Lord in Proverbs and Job implies something that's a true reverence and worship And again, suggests obedience to the law of Yahweh. So fear of the Lord is reverence for God, leading to obedience. And Roland Murphy in his Tree of Life says this attitude of awe before the divinity, worship, and again, observance of the law. So you get this idea of fear of the Lord implies uh, 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 putting oneself in the position of being fear of the Lord I mean in awe of the Lord in a, in a position of reverence for God worshiping God implying that then you need to obey God so the idea of all leading to obedience leading to blessings this is the fear of the Lord that we get in Proverbs and Job in Ecclesiastes fear of the Lord comes up again ends ends with these verses the last word <laughs> that's the last word When all been heard fear God and keep his commands for this is man's all because God will bring judgment to judge every work with all its hidden qualities whether good or bad so even if you can't figure out what God is doing when you look at the world and it doesn't make sense again that, that the, the good people seem to be suffering and the evil mm-hmm. people seem to be prospering. If you can't make sense of it his advice this book's advice is still you have to fear the Lord because really what else can you do in the face of God you're dealing with God you really don't have many options. So even though one can't figure it out God is the ultimate judge And the College Commentary says one day God will reveal what this is all about. And we still deal with that today. One day God will reveal what this is all about. Even if it's not so clear today. Uh, So now Murphy describes this fear of the Lord as a little different than the other two. The way Murphy Roland Murphy in his The Tree of Life describes this fear of the Lord in Ecclesiastes. And it's different than the way that term is used in Proverbs and Job. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, fear of the Lord means walking under a heaven that is mysteriously closed. Uh, we, can't, we can't figure out what God is doing. Right? It seems to be closed. And yet, at every step, relying on the free gift of God. So you're still, which kind of, kind of um, reminds me of those verses in Job of course it might vindicator lives and none of it makes sense yet he knew that he knew his vindicator lives somehow and that he was still again relying on the free gift of God
1: do you think that when this is going on you're preaching to the Jewish people
0: These yeah Jewish this is for the Jewish people
1: yeah but let's say now we're down Christ is back you have been here 50 years and this you know, thing, you're not gonna be pranking this anymore. It's, it's obsolete. God is gonna get us into heaven.
0: Are uh, you talking about Just as a Christians. Christians or yeah. Jewish people? Yeah,
1: anything you're saying here. Right. Once Christ is down and He died and risen
0: and right. we start the new company, right. Yeah, I, I'm I guess what I'm doing is I'm, I'm leading us up to the development of Jewish thought as their understanding God and of course when Jesus comes he okay. reveals yeah. he reveals the meaning to all this stuff from a Christian point of view yeah right. so we bring, I bring that in every once in a while but I think it's, it helps to see what the people at the time understood because the Jewish people are still dealing with this and they don't believe in Christ
1: Right, that's, what I'm, that's just right. what I'm saying. Right. And their, li- their life is rough, you know, by the king's ages.
0: And so I think everything I'm saying here would apply to Christians and Jews. Right? One way to describe this phenomena is uh, living with the mystery of God, which is what we do, what we do every day. We live within a certain, there's a certain mystery of what everything is going on, even who God is and how God acts in our life, and yet we live in that mystery.
1: Yes, but we're expecting eternal reward. learn learn.
0: Well, that well, so, yeah, you can see that, that was part of the dilemma. <laughs> right. hmm.
1: uh,
0: but we'll, well, we'll see how that, that understanding also changes as we continue reading these books. Um, so. What, what this I'm going to bring you I'm going to give you two fancy words What this brings us to is two different ways of relating to God. two different understandings of how humans relate to God. Um, so bear with me. One is called cataphatic katath- uh, cataphatic or positive theology. And these are terms that apply. If you look at any uh, forms of spirituality, they'll tend to fall on one side or the other of this way you'll push God. One is the cataphatic or positive theology. And what that says is that you can come to know God in a positive way, meaning you can make positive statements about God. So you can say things like, God is love, God is just, God is wise, and many other things that we, we, had, we read in Job. Now the problem with this is that when we say that, we're using human words with human understanding, and in a sense, we're limiting God to our understanding of those words. Okay. Because obviously, to Koheleth, when you read it, God is not acting just as we would understand justice. You might even say God wasn't so just to Job either, even though he gave him good stuff in the end. So God does not seem to be acting just as we understand justice. So to say God is just is limiting limiting God to our understanding of what justice is. You might say because we don't and can't see the big picture. So that's one way that people can relate to God or see see them as as one way people can describe how we relate to God. The other is the opposite. The other is called apophatic or negative theology. So, uh, and this is a more mystical way. So you'll see this thing uh, like John of the Cross. You'll we'll start to see these things in John of the Cross. Uh, this is the more mystical way of coming to know and relate to God. So there you would say, so it's, saying it's, it's more like looking at or describing what God is not. So you would say God is not hatred. God is not unjust. God is not foolish. So we know what God is. Is not what we can't really say. What God is, God is a mystery that we can't penetrate from this point of view. So, so the apophatic theology we come to know God not so much through our intellect as through our experience of God. In a sense, if you've experienced God, in a sense, it may be beyond words. And this negative or mystical theology is expressed in some well-known Christian writings. One of is the Cloud of Unknowing, which is a an anonymous anonymous. Mm -hmm. No, not anonymous. Uh, We don't know the author. Amen unknown yeah, author but it's a classic The cloud of Unknowing so you know we we God is like a cloud in your middle of a cloud mm-hmm. have, you ever, have you ever been that way in your car so that yeah. that's the idea there and the other probably more famous I think that's we don't know what well, we don't know who wrote it so uh, and the other is John of the Cross in his Dark Night of the Soul All right. so we so that's part of our tradition as Catholics we and we really do both ways okay Mm -hmm. Um, uh, okay and and uh, so maybe even in Psalm 22 right when Jesus when Jesus prays on the cross he prays the beginning of it when he says my God my God why have you forsaken me so at that point you could say God Jesus is experiencing God the Father in God's seeming absence rather than in his presence. And we're jumping ahead. For us Christians, of course, uh, it is Jesus on the cross where the ultimate wisdom is unveiled. We say Jesus crucified is the true wisdom and power of God. And this is the sketch that St. John of the Cross made of Jesus on the cross. All right, why don't we say in our Father, and Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. 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 In the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.